Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2018. This is Joe talking about step 10. Hi, I'm Joe and I'm an alcoholic. Um, gratefully sober today. Um, my sobriety date is the 13th of October 1995. And my home group is uh, Northern Lights on a Friday night in Northcote at 7pm. Um, this is really professional, <laughs> uh, the whole setup, and I'm a little bit nervous. And um, I admit that I brought tea into the auditorium, but I promptly took it out because I didn't know. Um, okay, step 10. Let me just breathe and get into the zone. Um, step 10. Um, continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Um, as, you know, I was doing some reflection on this step this morning and um, some reading before I came. I don't know if that has, will make this better or worse, but um, I always like to have a think about what I'm going to say. And um, most of the time, <clears throat> um, what I think I'm going to say is not what I actually say, but... Um, Step 10, um, as we all know, comes after the uh, first nine steps. And um, for me, as a lot of people um, refer to them, um, steps 10, 11 and 12 are the maintenance steps. And and that's how I see these um, three steps. And I see that these three steps, 10, 11 and 12, work in conjunction with each other. Um, all best if they work together, not separately. They are all far more effective singularly if they work together is what my experience has been. Having having said that, I can't work steps 10, 11 and 12 until I've done the first nine. And um, because for me, you know, the first nine, um, you know, it... You know, when I got sober, I was such a mess. I had no idea. I just, I didn't know how to live in the world without alcohol. You know, drinking was my solution. And um, and so when I got sober, it was very, very clear to me very, very early on that if I did not change the way I was in the world, that I would continue doing what I had done, which was drinking. And that I was somehow clear that also... My desperation that I had when I got here that made me do what I needed to do or that, you know, provoked me to do what I needed to do when I got here, that desperation that I had, there was somewhere deep inside me that knew that that desperation would not remain. And in the beginning when I first came in, I needed that. I needed that desperation so badly and um, and it was what propelled me through those first nine steps. But by the time I got to step 10, those step 10 promises had begun to come true for me, especially the one about alcohol. You know, it says we won't swear off. You know, you know we're not going to be white-knuckling. It will say, it says we've been put in a place of neutrality. You know, we won't be cocky nor we will be afraid. It says the problem will have been removed. And that was my experience. Those step promises still give me goosebumps. And um, I always find it interesting that um, it's the step nine promises that we always talk about in meetings. But, you know, step ten for me is what it's about. It's what I came in for, you know. They are promises about my actual drinking. So, you know, they were coming, you know, they had begun to come true, those step 10 promises. And it would be very, very easy to go, this is done and dusted, you know, this is what I came in for, I've got it, I'm out of here. You know, but there was somewhere deep inside me, 
call it God intervention, I don't know what you want to call it, but there was some amount, a glimpse of sanity, I don't know if it was sanity or insight, whatever you want to call it, that I knew that I needed to keep doing more or else I would lose what I had. And that, for me, what Step 10 was about. You know, I think it says in um, either the big book, or, big book or the 12 and 12, it says, you know, this is the part where we're starting on a new life and we become God conscious. And this is what this step is about for me. You know, and it says, um, you know, we continue to take personal inventory. We continue to do that self-searching. We continue to look at ourselves. We look for when we're selfish, dishonest, fearful. It's got really clear instructions. We ask for them to be removed. We, um, you know, we share it with someone else and we turn our thoughts to someone. You know, love and tolerance is our code. Those, that, those particular instructions and um, the way that I'm going to keep moving through my life does not come naturally to me. And it talks a lot in the 12 and 12 about um, it being a lifelong journey. You know, it's um, progress, not perfection, those sorts of things. And, um, and it talks about also the different types of inventory that we get to do. You know, it's, it talks about the spot check inventory, the, um, the nightly review, and it also talks about one that we may do like six monthly or once a year where we go away on retreat and we do a bigger inventory. I'm not one of those that believe that once you've done a fourth step, that's it, it's done and dusted. In my recovery, I have had, you know, I've had to do some other big fourth steps at times because things have accumulated and the, the spot checks and the evening reviews maybe have not been as thorough as I would have liked or maybe I haven't been able to see what I've needed to see and so I've needed to do those, big, those other big inventories along the way. Um, you know, the inventory process, as you probably... I'm probably not telling you anything you don't know, but, you know, it's... Um, I always think, you know, um, I may not like what I see when I'm doing it, but I'm always incredibly relieved and grateful to be seeing it, you know, and that I'm not living in, um, you know, resentment and fear and self-pity, jealousy, whatever those defects of character are. Um, I only figured out recently, and not all that long ago, why they say, um, and it wasn't all that long ago, where it says promptly admit that we were wrong, is because that the longer we leave it, the harder it is. And, um, you know, things like justification and pride will set in, and, um, and we know we've done wrong. I mean, I don't know about you, but I think that I've been sort of, you know, working this in my life for such a long time that I... Um, I sometimes don't realise that it's actually working in my life anymore. You know, at first it seemed like, you know, when I got through the first nine steps, you know, and then it said, you know, you need to keep doing these things, I was like, are you kidding me? You know, I have to keep doing this shit? You know, like, I was like, sorry, I'm probably not meant to swear, but, um, you know, it was just like, haven't I done enough? I'm not drinking, you know, but... Um, um, you know, I don't feel that way about it now. I actually am incredibly grateful to have a uh, a program and a bl like a blueprint for living, because um, without it, I am, you know, I um, I still don't know how to live life. I'm an alcoholic. I'm, um, you know, I suffer from um, self-centered fear, selfishness, and um, I can't see what I need to see without these processes. I can't. You know, I think I can, but I can't. 
And, um, you know, I know that, um, you know, often when I, um, when my, when I've acted from a wrong motive or, you know, I've said something that I shouldn't have said or I've said something meaning something but underneath really it was a criticism or whatever, you know, um, my gut tells me generally now that I, um, I've not, I'm not acting in, um, you know, I'm not doing God's will. I'm not acting in, you know, in God consciousness and, um, you know, often I can promptly admit that straight away. You know, and I will say, whether it be my daughter or someone at work, you know, I was wrong when I did that. That was not helpful, blah, blah, blah. You know, I recently, um, an example of that was um, I, um, I, you know, I, I lost my husband from cancer a couple of years ago and um, I've had to work my program um, I've been really grateful for it because I think without it, I don't doubt that maybe I would have gone out and drank because that type of grief and pain and the self-pity and fear that, and resentment that comes along with it was really dangerous for me as an alcoholic. But um, I was um, there was a, a teacher at my daughter's school who went through the same thing as me six months later and um, we... We don't see each other a lot, but when we see each other, we just look at each other knowingly, and um, and when we get a chance, we have a little talk about what what it's been like and whatever. Anyway, it was around the second year anniversary of her husband's death, and um, I saw her and we were chatting, and um, and I said to her, I said, oh, I said the second year was far worse for me than the first, and I watched her face change. She was just like, you know, I just watched it change in a way that was like, you know. She, um, sorry, 10 minutes remaining, cool, okay. Um, she said, uh, and it just changed. And um, we, I said, you know, I said, oh, the two years for me was really, really hard. It was a lot worse than the first and I thought it was going to be better and it was shit. It went on for six weeks before and six, and I just went on and on and on. And I walked away and I had that pit in my stomach, you know, I just had it. And I went, that wasn't helpful, you know, that wasn't helpful at all. What I wanted to, t- you know, what I was doing was in a way boasting, you know. In some perverse way I was saying, you know, I found it far worse and you need to know that and that, you know, don't be all cocky because you think it's going to be better, you know. Whatever it was, you know, I know that I was not being helpful. You know, and I went away and I thought, nah, that just, that was not good, you know. I went into it, I went back and saw her the next day and to make amends and said, you know, that was, I just know that wasn't helpful. You don't need people telling you that. Your journey is your own. And um, and so, and she was like, oh, it's okay, you know. Most of the time people don't notice these things, but I have to live in a different way in the world, you know. I have to. I have to keep this channel open to a higher power because it always comes back to step one for me. I am powerless over alcohol and I cannot manage my own life. And if I am blocked off by, you know, cockiness, fear, pride, resentment, you name it, and it will block me off from the sunlight of the spirit, you know, as I, as I always say, and I hope that anybody's heard me say it before, is not sick of it, you know, I always say this because this is the truth for me. I cannot think my fellow men are assholes and be all right with God. It just does not work for me. It can't. 
My, you know, my channel with my higher power needs to start with my fellow human beings. And of course, I don't have to love and like you all, but I need to be clear of resentment and fear. You know, so that was like a spot check inventory. The ones you do at night, you know, I'm, um, I have to be honest, I'm a bit of a slacker in that one. You know, I always have good intentions and sometimes when I get into bed, I do it. But most of the time, I just fall asleep, <laughs> you know. But having said that, every Sunday morning, I spend some time in bed writing. I always ring my sponsor on a Sunday, so I never go to that phone call without something to talk about you know I don't go there going yeah it's all okay you know I always take time on a Sunday morning to think about my week what's been bothering me I often write inventory on a Sunday morning you know so I can take that to my sponsor when I speak to her on a Sunday night and I know that that's not what it says in the book so I'm not telling you to do it that way I'm just I can't tell you I do something that I don't you know, but I always take that time on a Sunday morning and do that, and um, and sometimes during the week as well. But um, and the other thing I do is, um, like it talks about in the twelve and twelve, is that I generally go in for an annual sort of larger inventory, and um, and that for me clears up all the stuff that has just sort of, you know, fallen by the wayside as um, as I go, but. Um, and it keeps me, um, you know, this step is what keeps me, um, it keeps me current, it keeps me clear and clean, if that's the right word, you know, I, um, you know, and for me this is the step that, you know, I did all that work in the first nine steps, if I don't continue with this stuff, it's sort of like a waste of time. And, you know, and with practising step 10 in the way that I do it, you know, it, it enables me to, um, um, have my conscious contact with God, you know, my prayer and meditation. And, you know, by keeping, um, by practicing step 10, you know, I have something to take to my, um, my sponsees and my fellow um, members. You know, I can't um, give away what I don't have. And, um, and I don't think that I've given this to me by any stretch of the imagination. That's not what I think. Um, I think that I am, you know, very blessed and there's been a lot of intervention for me to still be standing here today and um you know I have done you know I am I know that I am sober in spite of myself you know I um yeah because if it was left up to me and the way I do things I would probably have gone out and drunk in the 22 years I've been sober or um five minutes remaining um <laughs> or um or I would be a nutter, and I have been a nutter in this room, I'm not saying I haven't, you know, I've travelled really badly at times and my sponsor always talks to me about being in the corridor, you know, sometimes we're in the corridor and I love that, you know, she says look around, there's always other people in the corridor with you and what that means is that sometimes we're not always travelling well, you know, and we sit in the rooms and we see people travelling well and we think I'm doing something wrong, you know, we're not doing anything wrong. You know, sometimes it's just, you know, um, you know, it says, you know, pain is the touchstone of spiritual growth, and I believe that to be the truth. I used to think that when I stuffed up and I did something wrong and I wasn't very spiritual and I yelled at a driver on the road or I yelled at my kids, you know, that I wasn't spiritual. I don't see that today. 
I see that as God giving me lessons that I need to learn, you know. I see that it all as spiritual progress. Sometimes I take one step back and five one step forward and five steps back. Doesn't mean that it's not spiritual growth. And um you know, because um my God would never be as hard on me as I am on myself, I know that. And so um today I you know, I truly believe that God is um, you know, asks us in step three um, you know, God is either all or he is nothing. And for me, uh, God is all. And I mean all. And um, I think that, um, you know, um, I just want to share one more story and I'll finish up um, about the practice of step 10 and how beneficial it can be. Um, I, um, a couple of years ago, I was at the... Um, it was last no, it was the year before. I was at the Boomerang Roundup in Sydney, and um, I was talking to someone I was staying with about the um, the death of. I was talking about something about my husband to her, and um, and she was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah." She was really dismissive, and um, you know, and I just like I had the worst resentment. And um, I went home that night, and um, I did my step. Was one of the nights I did do my step. <laughs> inventory sorry and um I wrote it out I wrote the resentment out and um I got to see that um when I moved across the columns and I asked God to show me what it is I need to see you know I got to see that um in some perverse way I had been using my husband I had been exploiting my own husband's death for people to treat me differently in a certain way you know, I wanted to be treat, treated special. I thought that everybody needed to know that what I'd been through and how sad it was and how bad it was and that you needed to treat me differently from anybody else because of that. And that wasn't only in the rooms. That was everywhere. I was so unhappy. I was so full of self-pity and miserable, I can't tell you, because of this expectation I had in the world that I needed to now be treated differently. That was the thought that got me into these rooms. That was the thought. Those, those were the thoughts that I drank on. I am different. I don't fit in. I will drink. I saw that in my inventory and, um, and I cried because I was so incredibly grateful that I was shown the truth by the God of my understanding that I was shown what the truth was. And um, and it just, you know, you can't see what you can't see. And I knew that that was the time to see it. But, um, you know, and, and like I said before, I don't always enjoy what I have to see. This, it's not nice to see that. I wasn't particularly proud of the fact that, you know, I was exploiting something that was incredibly um, painful to get my own needs met. I didn't really enjoy seeing it. But I was absolutely relieved and elated to see it on the other hand because it meant that now I could take it to God, I could speak to my sponsor and I could have it removed. A week later I was so thrilled about it, I was sharing it in a meeting, just like, not like this, but I was sharing it in a meeting and, um, and somebody came up to me after the meeting and sort of tapped me on the back and said, and said look, you know, said, you're just being too hard on yourself. You're being too hard on yourself. 
And I was like, I didn't say anything. And I walked around and I walked away and I thought, no, 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 I wasn't actually being hard on myself at all. Not at all. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, you know, it was revealed to me what this was and it wasn't about being hard on myself. It was that, you know, I, um, this is what this process does for me, you know. And it says in the, in the, um, one minute, it says in the 12 and 12, you know, when we rule up the ledger, we are meant to look at the good stuff that we do as well, you know. And um, so what I'm trying to say is that this process that we continue doing, we continue watching, we continue self-searching, we continue looking at ourselves, this keeps revealing stuff to me that I can't see without it. And I am so incredibly grateful that I just keep growing, you know, and that I haven't stayed... um, um, the words stagnant, you know, that I've kept growing and I keep going back to the people I love and saying sorry that I did that and, you know, and I keep changing, you know, and um, because without this and without, I mean, without all the steps but without these maintenance steps, I can't rely on the desperation I had when I came here to stay sober. These are what keep me clean and connected with the God of my understanding, with the power that I need to stay sober. Um, I hope I've been of some help. I thank the, um, the, you know, the committee for asking me to share and um, I'll leave it there. Thank you. Information about the annual Melbourne AA Steps Weekend is available from www.stepsweekend.aagroup.org.au Thanks for letting us share.